That's right. Let's run it back. Hello and welcome to the Nittany Gritty, brought to, you, brought to you by the good folks at Beyond the Big Ten. I am Penn State men's basketball beat writer John Sauber of the Center Daily Times. He is Tim Frazier, former Penn State men's basketball player. And Tim, you were uh, you were a little bit in the spotlight last week after that uh, that Penn State win over Indiana. Yeah. Wow. It, it, you were the last one to beat them on the road. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it, yeah. Was that, okay. yeah it was that 2014 game. Like I started getting it on Twitter, people they were tagging me and they were showing that that that, that crossover that I had against uh, Indiana, and I, and I I didn't put two and two together that that's what it was for. But yeah, man, that was um, it felt like yesterday. Like I tweeted back and I said it felt like yesterday. I remember we were down, we came back and like we we kind of had the lead. And I think we might have gave it up, and I was sitting there, I was like, man, we gotta score, we gotta win this game. Like we're struggling, just like how this team was. We went on a little losing streak, and we needed to win bad, and then. Coach drew a play up, and I was like, all right, I got to take this one. Boom, boom. Made the layup. I think it was on Yogi Ferrell. And then yep. uh, I, was able to, I was able to score it, and then we ended up winning the game. Yeah, it was it was funny. I saw those people tagging you in the tweet, and I was like, you know what? I'm going to have the decency here to not mention it and leave him alone because his phone's <laughs> definitely blowing up right now. And yeah. I don't want to make you feel obligated to answer mine at least. So I, I saved no, you no. on that one. That was my courtesy to you. Uh, but no, that was like – I think that's a sign of like one, just how hard it is to play at Indiana usually, yeah. and, and two, like how uh, strange of a week that it was, right? For for Penn State men's basketball, you and I talked about last week that maybe we didn't use the exact term "dead in the water," but it sure kind of felt that way at that point, right? right? They they were they were losing game after game. It didn't feel like you know there was there was a lot of reason to be positive. You know, you had mentioned very correctly that this team you know, doesn't bounce back until they're completely, you know, you know, or they usually bounce back when they're on the mat. And I said, it usually takes them to hit the mat. Well, and clearly they had hit the mat and they've really bounced back winning both of those games, uh, beating Rutgers on the road for uh, Mike Rhodes first big 10 road win 61 uh, 46. And then, you know, dominating Indiana in the second half of that game. I think they scored something like 62 points in the last 27 yeah. minutes or 23 minutes of the game or something along those lines, just an unbelievable performance. And, you know, it, it felt like to me that the ball was moving on offense. Yeah. And I think that was something that we kind of hadn't seen to this point this season, or at least not for a full 40 minutes. Yeah. Uh, again, like you said, we talked about it last week and, you know, I was saying like they, they got to bounce back and, you know I mean? I gotta, I gotta give them some class, man, just to see this and how, how hard they played those two games and then to pull off two wins and it's two wins on a road, man. It shows that his team is starting to click. They're starting to find something. They know what, the identity is of the team. We spoke about that earlier and early in the year about what the, what's the identity, what's going to need for them to win, and they were able to do that two times in a row on the road in you know hostile environments because everywhere you go in the Big Ten is going to be a tough place to play, uh, especially this last one in Indiana. Um, for them for them to do that, man, I can't do nothing but but clap and just see. But like you said, the ball was moving. I don't, I, you know, I mean, I'll be the bad guy, and I don't know if we're saying are we saying it because Kanye Clary didn't play, but I don't see him as a negative to this team. I just think that it might have been a situation to where, like, hey, man, our main scorer is is out, and we all have to rise up to rise up and score more and share the ball more and do more things to pick up for the slack of him, and that's what the team did. You know, obviously, we'll see how it goes, going, how it continues to go, and you know, his health and when he be back for next game and what it might be, but um. You know, props on that for two good wins, two tough wins on the road. Yeah, and, and you know, you mentioned, uh, you know, you'll be the bad guy and everything, but I do think there is some credence to that idea, right? That 
That's yeah. why the ball sticks a little bit. And I don't, you know, I think there's an argument that some of that is out of necessity, right? Because they don't yeah. score it well enough. So him taking over some of those possessions is is valuable and helpful. I just don't know if it's as helpful as it hap- as often as it happens, right? Like it, I don't know right. if the juice is worth the squeeze that frequently. Um, and so I think uh, this would be a good time maybe for the the staff and, and Kanye and, and, and Ace too to like kind of look inward and be like, okay, how can we blend these two things? How can mm-hmm. how can they blend the idea that yes, they need some of that isolation scoring that when they can't get to the rim, they can't create any rim pressure. They, you know what I mean? Those kickouts aren't available that they put him in position to succeed, but also have him just kind of be a cog in the machine when it, when the ball is moving, when they're able to get things going. Because the other thing with this is Ace Baldwin really stepped up in both of those yeah. games, right? Like the, the numbers were good, but I think just watching him too, you could see that he was more, I don't want to say more intense because he's an intense guy and he's been intense all season, but Mike Rhodes said it today. We talked to him at a press conference that, you know, this is he's been really good lately and that he's been more of a leader and he's kind of taken taken ownership of the team a little bit more. And he mentioned that I asked Ace about it and he said that, yeah, with, with Kanye out, like he feels like he needs to help kind of rally everything. And and I wonder if this is kind of the point maybe over the next two years, because Ace has another year of eligibility remaining, assuming that he's back. I wonder if this is the, the the stretch that maybe next year that we point to, like, yes, this is when Ace became, like, this is when it became Ace's team. This is when they started to have that identity that Mike Rhodes has been searching for because yeah. we kind of, they've been so wishy-washy all year that we we really don't know what's going on. Like, I thought they were going to lose, they're going to pick up a win out of these two games just because of how they played. I, you know, would have had no idea that they're going to win both of these games. I have no idea how they're going to fare against Iowa Northwestern, right? Because they're so inconsistent, right. but it does feel like they finally have an identity and they're able to, you know, be true to themselves in some sense when they're playing out there now. Well, I will say with Ace, man, he, he looked like he was more in control. I don't, and I don't know if that is because Kanye is out because he felt like, you know what? Hey, man, I can make these mistakes. I got to, I got to slow the tempo. I have to do more. And that might've pulled out to what the Ace that we, they're used to seeing at VCU. Because now, like you said, he's he's more comfortable. He seems like he's more in control. He's leader of the team. He's being more vocal. He's being more intense on defense as well. So I don't know if that that might be uh, addition by subtraction. And so now you see that we have the ace going on. And you know, I mentioned earlier in the weeks before that you know most of the times when Penn State does win, ace is the leading score. Um, you know, I mean, obviously I'm not a big analytics guy, but if you look it up, I'm sure he, you know. He, some something they, they uh, hopefully that I'm I'm talking uh, back that is the high per- high percentage that when Ace is, is the leading scorer you know they win and obviously the last two games he was the leading scorer for them to be able to pull away those two wins but I will say too like um I know we also jumped on him earlier about like man like when when Rose said again like we need Ace to be the ace of our team and he's not that so you have to be able to take the bad and the good and you know I give him a little leeway hey man this is a different conference. You know, this isn't, you know, in, in VCU, this is the Big Ten. It's a lot of different. It's more pressure now and being in a higher, you know, in a higher conference, it's a power five conference and going against, you know, high quality players as well. You know, I'm not saying that he wasn't doing that, but now obviously this is obviously a step, stepping the stage up. And sometimes it takes a while for people to adjust. Like you look at it when freshmen come into college and, you know, when guys become rookies in the pros, like it, it takes a while to be able to adjust. And maybe, like you said, maybe he's adjusted now. He's, He's broken through the, you know, the rookie, um, the rookie wall, and now it's time for him. He knows exactly what he's going to get. He sees what, how intense the game is. He knows what he's got to do. He's found the routine for him to be um, 
the best he can be when it's time for game time. And hopefully we get, we're able to see this uh, in the next two games with Iowa and Northwestern. Yeah, and, and I think, you know, you mentioned like the value in him scoring. I think it's yeah. it's that combined with the value he brings as a playmaker, right? Like the ability right. to create shots for other guys because that is – you know, for as good of a scorer as Kanye is, like that's a deficiency, right? Like he's mm-hmm. he's attacking with the intent to score, and and that's helpful at times. And at other times, like it can lead to defenses collapsing in and maybe a less efficient shot than you want, right? And I think you know you, you mentioned you're not an analytics guy, as everyone knows. I very much am, uh, and you can mm-hmm. see like even like you look at like the offensive rating and everything. Like Ace has been very good these last two games in that regard, and creates a baseline. I think right, like, and I think. Yeah. Uh, you know, you you always want to marry the analytics with the eye test because scouting is important and watching these games is very important. And you can it kind of back they back each other up in this case, right? Where it's like mm-hmm. it doesn't feel like oh one of these things is lying to us. You look at it and you say okay, it feels like that offense is moving better when Ace has the ball in his hands when he's scoring more. And then you watch them play and it's like you can see the ball is moving around. He's not holding it. Uh, he's taking shots more in rhythm too. It feels less. Yeah. Um, it feels less Sports. your turn, my turn kind of thing, right? Yeah, yeah. Which is how the offense has felt at times this year. And I think, I don't know the 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 better the best version of Ace. I think is the best version of this team, right? Like the I think I would be trying to maximize Ace Baldwin this year and next year and what he can do and have him be the head of the snake both defensively and offensively to get the most out of these guys because. You know, Zach Hicks gets a little more confidence as confidence as a shooter as Ace is kicking yeah. it to him more. Same with, you know, same with Jameel Brown, same with DeMarco Dunn. Yeah. Like everyone just seems to be meshing right now. And and I'm curious to see if, if Kanye comes back Thursday against Iowa, which he might uh Mike Rose caught him day to day again today when when we spoke to him. We'll see, you know, he obviously took a, a difficult shot to the face uh, you know, two games ago. That was like it's not often you see someone the, the guy he ran into against Minnesota didn't move, right? Like there was right. no movement from the guy he ran into. He just didn't see him and he ran yeah. directly into his elbow. And so like, I think you can probably put, I'm not going to say it because I'm not going to speculate, but I think you can probably put two and two together on what happened there and, and you know, what he's dealing with right now, hitting his face off of someone like that. Um, yeah. And he immediately went out and did not come back in. And so I, I think if he comes back, like, and they can kind of mesh these things together, you know, they're not an NCAA tournament team. Like it's, uh, you know, kind of too little too late at that point. But I think the NIT is probably still within reach with this recent stretch of play. And if, and if they build off of it, they can, they can play spoiler to other teams and, you know, who knows, maybe they can make a little run in the NIT. And I think we've talked about time and time again, that has value. Right. I, I agree. I agree a hundred percent. You look at the schedules, Iowa, Northwestern, and you got Michigan state where, you know, at home, you know, so that obviously, you know, is going to be, you know, something that's, you're looking forward to another big test, especially how they played the first time. And, you know, obviously there's chance when you look down the, down the, the rest of the schedule, man. And, all right. Illinois might be a tough one. And, but you know, all these but other, even that, that, like that's, that's the return to rec hall game. Like there's right, going to be an right. atmosphere there. And like, we, we watched them beat Wisconsin. <laughs> and so that's right. why I'm, I'm hesitant to say like at, in at any of these 10, games, yeah. if they can't win. Yeah. And like, and I'm hesitant to say, you know, you look at the the efficiency ratings and everything. Wisconsin's at twelve, Illinois at ten. Those are two pretty similar teams standing wise. Like, yeah. I don't know. Like, I'm not. I'm not saying they're going to win that, but I at, right now it feels. I, I think you're right. Like that. This looking ahead, there are winnable games here. This is not like yeah. the gauntlet that we saw earlier in the schedule. Right. Right. I, I, I like again, like you said, I don't see anything that I, I don't see them winning. I feel yeah, that you got some tough ones in there, but at the end of the day, those tough ones are in between games where, you know, they're, they're, they can get knocked down and bounce back up. Like what we spoke about last week. 
uh, again, I'm, I'm curious to see if he comes back, uh, Kanye. Um, I think it's tough. I know, you know, you don't want to say it, but that's more likely some type of concussion that's going on right there. And uh, we feel for the kid, obviously, you know, there's some big things that, you you know, you don't want to play with. I've seen that where, you know, guys who come back before, like, I, honestly, I've, I felt like I was concussed and I didn't came back before and I definitely wasn't myself. Um, yeah i mean nothing more important than your brain you know yeah right i won't say what team and when it happened but it definitely wasn't good (laughs) but um obviously what's the best for the for the for the kid and for him to come back and if they can get that rolling where they have ace playing the way he's playing now and kanye playing the way he was playing as far as the scoring goals or being that go-to score at the end of the game uh again why not talk some type of postseason that can happen or like you said it'll just be spoiler because at the end of the day i don't think we all thought we were going to hit the home run New coach, new thing, new coach, new team, new players that they were going to come in, make the NCAA go to Sweet 16. But I do think they're having some positive wins and some positiveness at the end of this at the end of this season is going to go a long way when it comes to recruiting, when it comes to portal, and then when it comes to those guys staying and, and saying that's giving us giving us another run with the um, portal. Yeah, and, and I think you know you kind of nailed it with that last piece, especially right. Like, and we'll talk about this as the season winds down; it becomes clear yeah. like what the the roster is going to look like next year. But this is this isn't just about this team, right? It's about the guys yeah. that you're going to sell this team to, and you're going to say like, "Hey, don't you want to be a part of this? Don't you want to play like this? This unique style of basketball." Like Mike Rhodes actually talked about that a lot today. That that this is a selling point for them: how they play, what it looks like, like. You know, and, and the stretch run matters here for that. You know, if yes. you if you go, you know, if you lose like seven of these games, it's a little harder to get those guys here. If you if you win five of them, like, and, and you only go, lose four of them, then it's like okay, five and four to finish the season. You're you're five hundred in conference play. Like this is there's something here. There's a foundation that can be built upon, and you're getting you know the best player on the team back in ace next year. You're getting a ton of these guys back next year. You know, maybe maybe a couple guys leave that that we don't expect or what have you because it is the portal era that will yeah. happen. I, I can assure you of that. I don't know who, but I can tell you that guys will leave that we don't expect right now. Um, but if you replace those guys with maybe some some you know more shooting that they need on the outside, then who knows? Like this this could be a bubble team next year, and and it's largely with the same roster and just another year under Mike Rhodes and another year in that system. And, you know, there's there's a lot of value in that. You mentioned the the transition, like the the rookie wall, so to speak, for Ace, like a yeah. rookie, Big Ten rookie, at least, right? Like especially yeah, yeah. in the Big Ten, I think all of these guys on some level are dealing with that. Even oh, even the yeah. guys that like played at UNC before, like Puff Johnson, Demarco Dunn, played at a high level. But we talked to Demarco today. One of the things I asked him about was, you know, how is this transition going to playing on the ball more? Because they didn't use them like that at North Carolina. Frankly, they didn't use them much at all at North Carolina. Uh, but I think it's it's tougher to go from not playing to playing on the ball than it is to not playing to on the to off the ball, just because you have more responsibility after having very little. And you know, he he said that he's he's kind of hitting his stride in that regard, right? Like he's he's been emboldened by the staff to be who he is as an on ball playmaker and. You add another guy like that to the mix, and and you get a little bit more dangerous. And I mean, you've been a part of teams that had multiple high level guards. Like having guys, multiple guys who can take over a game and can play off the ball too. That's that's really valuable. Yeah, it's huge. I, I will say this: you said, "Hey, man, hey, I, let's say they're able to stretch this out and five hundred in the Big Ten conference." You know, usually the five hundred in the Big Ten, and you know, you, yeah, you're in some type of postseason. Is- I was, was gonna say that non-conference saying, is like, tough. Yeah, and that's what I'm gonna say. I'm like, how much? Are, how much are they really gonna be kicking themselves with that? You know that that, that, that five game stretch and that yep. five game that five games in a row of of of, of loss of L's. You know, obviously you take the Texas A&M. Okay, 
but that Butler that and then that VCU as well, and then just those. And how how much are you going to be kicking yourself if you in and stretching that out to you able to go five hundred in the Big Ten, and then you have those those losses? I, I know I would be pretty upset, but you know, yeah. I mean that 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 would that would suck. I think if you, I think if you lose or if you flip two of those games, suddenly you're eighteen and thirteen and ten and ten in yeah, the Big Ten. Yeah. I understand the Big Ten is down this year. Like there's, yeah. it's not at the same. But I think college basketball in general, and you kind of see this with the NBA draft, like how people talk about next year's draft, how it's not mm-hmm. at the same level. Uh, like college basketball this year doesn't maybe have the high end talent that we're used to seeing uh, year in and year out. But I think there's a little bit more depth, and I think you know eighteen and thirteen and ten and ten in the conference, like you might be on the bubble with that. Right. And right, like, right. I think you're right. I think they're going to be kicking themselves because they let one turn into two. Cause that Mike Rhodes said it at the time that Butler loss happened because the, of the way they lost to Texas A&M. Right. Yep. And everyone saw the VCU game that loss happened because they lost to Butler and then yeah. Bucknell. How else do you explain it? Other than these guys have no confidence at that point after losing three straight games. Right. And yep. Maryland was a bit of a turnaround and they started to get things back squared away, but you flip, you know, those last three games, VCU, which they should have won, uh, Bucknell, which there is no excuse there, and Maryland, which they took them to overtime. Or Suddenly, even like, if you, if everything's you completely the, different. Even if you take the Maryland and you just you take the Georgia Tech and that neutral site in New York with a bad call, right? You know, what I mean, that's a win there, and then you sit there, it's like, oh man, like okay, the next loss is Michigan State. Okay, at Michigan State, you can understand, but from there, like, there's no bad losses that you're looking at. Purdue, uh, they got smoked. <laughs> Purdue's well, tough. I, I'm, well, I'm saying at, at the time they're number one team in the country, but I'm looking yeah, at right, down of course, the list like you beat, you split with Ohio State, so okay, you know, the Minnesota loss maybe, which is you know, I mean, not that's a bad loss because they were winning because the blown lead. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But other than that, like you know, they were in. No, I think we're going to look back at this. We'll talk about this at the end of the year, which I think is going to be really interesting because this is part of why I think podcasting as often as we do is fun because you can really get a sense for where things are at in that moment. It's like a little time Mm -hmm. capsule. And if we were to go back and listen to how we felt about this team and how they were going to do at different points this year, it's like a scatter plot, right? Like it's, it's very high and very low and very rarely in the middle. And like either they had a devastating loss or they beat Wisconsin or they beat Ohio state at home, you know, like Mm -hmm. where they lose to Bucknell. And it's, it's this constant, like, I, th- I think you're right. That leads to pointing to a bunch of missed opportunities because you lose a yep. bunch of close games or games you could have won if you end up 500. And that's no guarantee. But, you know, you mentioned the schedule coming up soon. Iowa Thursday is winnable. Uh, you know, Indiana at home is winnable. Minnesota on the road is winnable. Maryland at home is winnable. That's four that you can kind of maybe not chalk up as wins, but say like th- that's a game that they should take. And then you yep. just got to find one other one. And then suddenly you're at 500. Right. And yep. And so it's like, I think we're going to look back at this as some serious missed opportunity and some serious opportunities for growth though, too, right? To this off season, Mike Rhodes can point to Bucknell. He can point to Maryland. He can, Georgia Tech's a really good one, right? Like they can point to, yes, the call didn't go their way, but you can point to what happened earlier, right? You can point to the end of regulation was when Ace Baldwin took that ill-advised three, that was like just kind of a chucked up shot when it was tied. Uh, that you know they didn't move the ball at all. Like you can point to these moments and be like, "This is where we got to get better," and that's going to help that a, with a group that should have a lot of continuity. And you know, you may. I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this. It feels to me that there might be some parallels, and I'm not saying it's going to go as well as it did then. To year one of Micah Shrewsbury from a an outcome standpoint, not necessarily like yep. a style of play or anything like that, because they're very different. But a you know, you have Jalen Pickett. 
He's good in year one. He really, you know, comes into his own by the end of year one. Then year two, he takes off. You have Ace Baldwin. He's good year one. He really comes into his own in the second half of the year. And then he takes off potentially in year two. And you have these pieces that fit. Maybe there are guys that you, you kind of missed on in the portal this year that aren't helping as much as you'd thought. Uh, and then you you supplement it with, again, to use the guys from that team, a Cam Winner type or an Andrew Funk yeah. type, right? Like these guys that, okay, you have the core. Now what are the little pieces you have to put in place to get it to the next level? And it feels like there are some parallels to how these things have run. It's on Mike Rhodes to now finish that deal and do ex- not ex- necessarily exactly what Mike Shrewsbury did, but to elevate things to that point where it's like, okay, year one was the building block. Year two is now where there's a leap taken because at the end of the day, you really don't want to not necessarily waste Ace Baldwin's last two years, but you want to make something happen when you have that guy on campus. I agree. I agree. There, like you said, there is parallel, parallel uh, to Shrewsbury's first year. And I think a lot of it is too is like we're talking about it. That first year, uh, um, it's house money. And this year, I, I call it house money. And I think they're, they're so far, if we look at the schedule right now, they're exceeding a lot of people's um, thoughts on them from the beginning of the year. I think everybody thought that, you know, Coach would do well and, you know, when Ace would do well. And nobody knew about Kanye because he did, wasn't like that. that he, he didn't play like that last year. He didn't have this, this scoring uh, ability that he did. Now he has a little free range. Just, I think everybody kind of was like, you know, at the first year, we're going to see how Coach uh, Rhodes and his style plays plays and works. You know, the full court press and the, the VCU, see how that's going to work this year. And we've seen it, that it has worked in some situations. And sometimes they have been burn, burned. But I do think that we look at this, and especially with now with the portal, it's like we know where we're lacking. What's our, one of our, our, our deficiencies in our team and, and shooting? So now we have a chance to say, you know what, this summer we're going to go get shooting. It's like free agency in the NBA. It's like, hey, you know what, man, we, we, need, we need a big man to go against Joker. So you know what, we go get a big man to go against Joker. You know what I mean? We need shooting to go, to, to, to go against, you know, the Golden State, to be able to run up and down and go against Golden State back then. Um, so, you know, you go out and free agency and get that. So now you sit there and be like, okay, what in the Big Ten, what do we need to do to be able to con- still have the same identity that we had before and add more pieces to it. And me, my purpose thing, my what I think is the shoot. I think you go try to get Andrew Funk, you know, somebody of that caliber that can go out there and really shoot the ball to where, man, hey, we can't help out because that does help Ace and Kanye if they both decide to stay. So I think that's what you look for. I, I, I hate that we keep talking about already next year because obviously there's still some more games left for this team to be able to show and continue to grow and get better. So, um, but again, as a, New new age world of NCAA basketball. You got to look ahead, way ahead now, especially with the portal. No, but I, th- I think it's almost a good sign that we're looking ahead to what it'll look like next year, right? Because yeah. if things were that bad, you would be wondering in the other direction of, okay, who all is leaving? Like, is this going to yeah. sustain at all? Like, are they going to be turning everything over again? Mm-hmm. Whole new roster. But instead, it's like, okay, they can. They'll have all of their key pieces back that they that they think they should have back or, or want to keep. Um, and then you can kind of pick and choose those spots to add guys. And, and you mentioned someone like Funk, like he's a once in a generation shooter, like the, the ability to shoot off movement like that is not, not yeah. something you see every day. Uh, it's you haven't seen it. I wouldn't say that, but you haven't seen it in a long time. That's yeah. Especially here. You haven't seen it in a long time. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like, cause it's not, it's a level of buy-in that it takes and activity off the ball and, and, 
like guys don't necessarily want to move off the ball, right? Like they, you know what I mean? It's more fun when you have the ball in your hands and, and it's harder to be as active as he is. Cause he was flying off every yeah. screen. You know what I mean? Like he was just, he was putting the miles in during games. Uh, yeah. And so, but I do think like that kind of guy who plays like that, even if it's not that level of shooter, because he was that unbelievable at times. We, I mean, I, I don't know that many people will forget that Texas A&M game in the NCAA tournament where he put him to sleep by himself. Uh, yeah. Just an, an unbelievable game. But, you know, I, I think that type of player would really open up the court. You know, you mentioned that uh, it, it would help like it would help Ace. It would help Kanye because the floor is space and those guys can get mm-hmm. to the rim. They can drive and kick easier. Like everything is just a little bit easier. Uh, it does. It does bum me out that you mentioned getting a big to, to face Nikola Jokic and you didn't mention Embiid and uh, you know made me think about the Sixers. Now I'm sad and you're doing this to me. I didn't do anything to you. You know, just. Just the worst right well, now. Uh. That that is terrible news. But you know, for me, it's like I'm not even thinking get a big. Like you can't go get MB. You know what I mean? You can right, go I get know, a. You can go get. I'm just a, saying, this DeAndre is the life of a Jordan Sixers fan. I'm telling, hey man, dude, dude got bad knees, man. It's just it's and tough. It, and it's bad it's luck, bad luck, and bad knees. And you know, a lot of this is just very unfortunate for him because he's when he plays, man, he is unstoppable. He's, it's. So, yeah. And, and like, listen, I've been a Sixers fan for a long time. Like I grew up on Allen Iverson and everything. Like it's, it's rare that you get to see two generational type talents. Cause AI was that, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's not back to back. There was like a seven year gap, eight year gap, whatever it was, but like to have it, you hate to see guys career shorten because of injuries. And it just yeah. bums me out because you never know. You know what I mean? You, yeah. I mean? you see it all the time. Like how, how often does a meniscus turn into a second meniscus injury, right? A third meniscus yeah. injury. And then are we talking about this for the rest of his career now? It's just, it's just a major bummer. And now I went and made myself sad and through this podcast, <laughs> so nice job by me to do that. Uh, just going to be bummed out about the Sixers for till the end of time now. Like the Eagles always do to me too. So I'm glad we're, I'm glad we're spending the, the podcast doing that today. This is this is exactly what I do. To be a Philly fan, it's always uh, hurt dude, to be a Philly fan. You don't got to tell me twice. I cling to that uh, 2017 season for the Eagles like it was. You know what I mean? Like it's everything to me. That Super Bowl <laughs> win, you can't take that away from me. That's all I know. Uh, but no, I mean this is you know I, I think on some level. I don't want to compare being a Philly sports fan to what I'm sure Penn State men's basketball fans feel like, but like that, that feeling of being close, but not getting over the hump. Like I think was very true for Penn State men's basketball for the last, yeah. I don't know, 10 years 10 before years. Micah, yeah. you know, you know, took, made that run, you know, dating back to when you played, essentially, that was like the yeah. last, that was like the last breath of it. And then the COVID season is the ultimate example of that, right? Like mm. that team was making the tournament Guaranteed. and they were going to yeah. be good. Like, and they mm. had a chance to make a run because Lamar was that good. And, you know, he was the kind of ISO score that can carry in an NCAA tournament. And then boom, world shuts down out of nowhere, which is again, if there's any comparison to Philly sports, it's that one right there. <laughs> the uh, world shut down when Phillies don't win. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That I, I wouldn't be surprised. Listen, if the Sixers did make a run this year, I fully expect another pandemic by mid-May. Uh, mm-hmm. But no, this is uh, it's it's going to be an interesting end of the season. I think you know it, it, the level of intrigue continues to like oscillate between it's like intriguing because man, are they going to stay this bad or man, can they continue this 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 hot streak that they're on? And like yeah. I said, there's just no in between right now, which makes it fun for me to follow and and cover. Yeah. And I'm sure it's can be painstaking at times for you to root for from from overseas when you don't really know how these games are going to go and it's it's a crapshoot every night but you know you and i will have everyone covered the rest of the way much as we have all all season so far uh like i said they play iowa thursday night uh very much looking forward to covering that i'll have all that at centerdaily.com you can find my writing for that 
at, uh, at, at Center Daily, like I said, but you can also find me on Twitter at John Sauber. You can find Tim at TimPhrase23 on Twitter. Make sure you tag him in all of those uh, videos of him making that layup against Indiana. <laughs> May as well blow up his phone since he decided to not bring up Embiid, even though he kind of in a tangential way made me sad. I'm going to blame you for that. Uh, so everyone, make sure you blow up Tim's Twitter. Uh, that will always be fun for me. But until next time, I think it's a good place to leave it. Talk to you later. See you.